0: I'm like over here trying to do the levels and you're like, I have a goal, so I turn it down and you go, you're a spy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm a very difficult person to work with. <laughs> I thought you knew that by now.
0: Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan. And I'm Harry. And- is A for Effort.
1: The show where we each bring three terms that the other person doesn't know based on one theme each, not all together but each have one theme and then the other person's got to guess what those words or phrases or terms, uh, what what they mean and then they're all they're given a grade out of five each and then at the end we count them up and we're like, well you got this mark. And the other person's like well you got that mark. And we go, thanks very much. And that's the show.
0: Bye. <laughs> Cool. Uh, Do you want to say your terms first?
1: I will say my terms first. Okay, great. Great. So my theme today is the cultural revolution. Okay. The one in China. Okay, cool. The main one, the one we all know about. (laughs) Okay. Not like a cultural revolution where it's like, ooh, the 60s led to less deference and changing norms. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you know, the one that killed a lot of people in China.
0: I know nothing about that, so...
1: <laughs> Sweet. Perfect. <laughs> so. Do you want me to give some little background info on the Cultural Revolution?
0: Sure. For the audience, <laughs> <laughs> So
1: basically, after the first five-year plan in Communist China, um, which did not go so well, and then the Great Leap Forward, which also did not go so well, um, there was a lot of grappling for power between the bureaucracy and between Mao and the Communist Party. Okay. Mao felt like the bureaucracy was moving towards more of a capitalist perspective. And Mao wanted it to be more about the worker and the peasant to be more purely communist, at least his kind of socialist thought. It's very complicated. But basically, the Cultural Revolution is him kind of impassioning a lot of young students to take up this kind of post-revolutionary vanguard and attack all people who would seem to be attacking the pure communism and pure socialism. Okay. Okay, so my first term is bloodline theory of class
0: bloodline so your ancestors Mm -hmm. class upper lower middle class Mm -hmm. reflecting a certain socioeconomic status
1: sure class
0: so is it the idea that your class was determined by your ancestry kind of like a caste system
1: Exactly. Uh, great. And sick use of the word caste system Thank because you. that was one of the main uh, criticisms of it.
0: Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Wow, what a what a hot.
1: <laughs> 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 wow, you are you just learned about the Cultural Revolution, <laughs> and already you've got these smoking hot critiques <laughs> of specific aspects of the <laughs> yeah. policy. All right. <laughs> All right. Nice. My second term is revolutionary tourism.
0: Okay, revolutionary. Tourism? Mm-hmm. Tourism is visiting a place to see what it has to offer, I suppose, True. or seeing specific sites, well-known sites, mm-hmm. in some different place. Mm-hmm. Revolutionary tourism? So, it sounds like tourism with a revolutionary tilt. Is it going to see or learning about different revolutions and the things that characterize those revolutions?
1: Well, think about specifically the Cultural Revolution and what what would they want to go see, like what big stuff would be fundamental.
0: Are they touring within China yeah, or outside of China? Within China. China. Okay. Uh, well, if Mao wants a truer communism by his definition, mm-hmm. is it Mao who's doing the touring, or people going to see Mao? It's the people. Okay. Is it people going to see? Places where Mao's communism is in effect or not in effect, and then seeing the differences between those places.
1: Kind of, you're close. Can I give the yes, please. Do. It's going to see historical sites related to the revolution. Okay. Specifically visiting Mao's birthplace. Okay. Which was uh, Hunan province. Okay. In China, revolutionary tourism is touring specific areas or places that were relevant and significant to the revolution yep. to kind of bring up this revolutionary spirit and feel it because there's an increased kind of what did my, my professor called it political religiosity. Okay. Like it's very passionate. You like really feel it. It's very emotional. Yeah. So you to feel it and go to these places. It's very visceral. Yeah. And there's really this growth of religiosity in Chinese politics at this time. Like, there's a book that's called The Little Red Book of Mao's Quotations. Okay. And they printed a billion copies in wow. the 50s and 60s. Wow. There's, like, a lot of people <laughs> reading about this stuff. <laughs> yeah. He kind of becomes this religious figure almost mm-hmm. in China. So people go visit. Like, in the same way you'd, like, go to Jerusalem to visit yeah, Jesus' birthplace or something like that. Or it's, like, a pilgrimage
0: yeah. to Mecca. Yeah. Yeah. So there
1: was, a, there was revolutionary pilgrimages where, like, urban students would take the trail of the – Whatever it's like, the thousand-mile march or whatever they called it, the yeah. ten-year march, when I don't the know. the communists were like pushed out of one place and they walked around China for a long time before they had the the revolution after the Second World War. Okay, students would go on these marches to like feel the revolutionary fervor.
0: Okay, so to summarize, revolutionary tourism was the phenomenon whereby people went to visit sites in China important to the revolution, mm-hmm. especially Mao's birthplace. Yeah, and that played into establishing an emotional connection to or it was an embodiment of kind of intense emotionality Mm -hmm. around this political movement
1: yeah so my last term is struggle sessions
0: okay struggle difficulty Mm -hmm. session (laughs) jeff sessions (laughs) (laughs) um sessions (laughs) sitting down and doing something so like a practice session as a musician Mm -hmm. is when you practice or some a therapy session is when you sit down and engage in therapy so a struggle session is it a space where people would gather and express their grievances about no. the old regime no okay
1: no. that it does relate to that uh, one from a long time ago our term what was it speaking bitterness yeah that? that's, yes, kind of, I do. that's similar to that definition but that's not similar to what this actually means
0: <laughs> right so what i just said is speaking bitterness Pretty but much. not. Yeah. <laughs> is it i don't know people coming together and struggling <laughs> to do something no does it have something to do with grievances in the political sphere
1: yes but it's not a mass airing of grievances. Right. I don't know. So a struggle session was like a public humiliation of a central figure. Okay. For instance, the the wife of the head of state of China, whose name I now forget. Okay. She was publicly humiliated in front of like 100,000 people. They like trapped her in the university and like made her wear a dress that was too tight and like ping pong balls around her neck to look like pearls to like make her seem really bourgeois. In relation to this, uh-huh. and what what she should have been is the head of the the wife, of the head of the Communist Party, yeah. and like humiliated her in front of thousands and thousands of people. That was a struggle session. That's an example. There were many of them. That sounds yeah, horrifying. It's,
0: it's, What's the larger political purpose to undermine?
1: Yeah, to undermine these figures and to impress the importance of conforming to Communist Party ideals.
0: Right. So a struggle session is the public humiliation of a person mm-hmm. even in the upper echelons of the communist party yeah. to emphasize the importance of adhering to party values.
1: Well, specifically there's there's conflict within the party about what those values should be, but specifically the values espoused by Mao. Okay. Sorry to such a <laughs> sad. <note. laughs>
0: that is the end of round 1. all right round two my category is yep. espionage
1: Ooh. specifically
0: terms used by spies Ooh. as code words now i think you might be like well they're code words so aren't they supposed to be difficult i was to get?
1: literally about to ask that. but
0: i think once you know that they're in the context of espionage oh, okay. yep. they'll be easier to decipher whereas when if they were to just come up in everyday life mm-hmm. then they're supposed to fly under the radar cool
1: First word, deep work. (laughs) Deep work radar theory.
0: (laughs) The first term is pocket litter.
1: So pocket, things that you would hold something in, either attached to your clothes or maybe a little like a pouch. Litter, things that you would throw away, but just kind of carelessly. Or, you know, a pocket litter could be like the lint or pieces of paper or something in your pocket that you find. Now, how can that relate to espionage? Could pocket litter be little... Bits of intelligence that you transfer to someone else?
0: No, it's not. In mean, defining pocket and litter, though, you did get at it.
1: So, like the little things in your pocket? Yep. Yeah. Like little bits of lint? No. Paper? Yep. Yeah. Little bits of paper in your pocket? Uh huh. That has I- information on it? Uh huh. About spying? No. <laughs> not about spying? Yeah. Ah! <laughs> So let's let's divide all information into two kinds. Mm-hmm. One's about spying. Yeah. One's not. Oh, yeah, I always make that division. Yeah. <laughs> it's like those books.
0: That's the thesis to every essay I've ever <laughs> written. <laughs> okay, let's just get a premise out of the way.
1: <laughs> Number one. There's two <laughs> fundamental categories of information.
0: Yeah.
1: It's like those books where it's like what they teach you in Harvard Business School and then what they don't teach you in Harvard <laughs> Business School. And it's like, wow, these two books have all the information in the world. <laughs> yeah. So like little bits of paper in your pocket mm-hmm. that have information on them not related to spying. Yep. I don't know okay. more than that.
0: Okay. So it's things like tickets and receipts that you would have in your pockets mm-hmm. in order to enhance your legitimacy. Oh. Yeah. Oh, so that's cool.
1: Just, yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah.
0: So like a movie ticket. Yeah. Because you're just a regular person. I just
1: came from the movies. Yeah. But like a couple Cause, days ago because I'm just normal. Yeah,
0: because I go to the movies. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm not like... a train like, ticket. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it enhances your legitimacy. My second term is cobbler.
1: Cobbler. Yeah. So two kinds of cobblers spring to mind. Yep. One a pie (laughs) of some kind. Right. Second a man who makes shoes.
0: Yes. I would encourage you to also think about the word cobble.
1: Like cobbled streets? Like cobblestones? Think about the word cobble.
0: Cobble together.
1: To cobble together. Mm -hmm. Someone who puts together a story or plot. But what kind and why? I feel like I'm at the same stage as the litter guy. I don't really have the full answer here.
0: <laughs> Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. Assumption.
1: Cobbler, someone, it's like th- he has like a role within an espionage ring. This is his job. He cobbles together something. Yep. Maybe he cobbles together like a character or like a storyline uh-huh. for a, a spy, like a his identity. Uh-huh. Someone and- who- by getting all like the information together and like all the piece of evidence and stuff like that.
0: And and what do you need? Shoes. <laughs> <And> <laughs> a shoes. pie? It's the shoes. <laughs> and and what? Like do you a need?
1: name, like a fake ID. Uh huh. Yeah. He, ah, <laughs> <laughs> he like that's the fake ID for you and Boom. like all your fake paperwork.
0: Yep. There nice.
1: it is. <laughs> the guy who makes the lunch, <laughs> and it's only pies. Yeah. Services. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <The> craft services. <laughs> yeah, because a craft services. Catering, (laughs) yeah,
0: yeah, so a cobbler is a person who makes fake documentation. Oh cool. Yeah. Yeah, nice Okay, and uh, my last term is ghoul
1: Ghoul. Yeah, so a ghoul is like a supernatural being a scary one Mm -hmm. kind of related to a ghost but different That's my answer (laughs) (laughs) Someone who kind of works in the shadows They're kind of mysterious. I, I would call them a spy (laughs)
0: <laughs> think about ghoul ghost dead people
1: ghoul someone a ghoul ghost dead a ghoul i mean that
0: was sorry there were arrows between yeah the yeah no i know ghost. i'm not oh, okay so
1: the word is ghoul ghost dead people <laughs> <laughs> is a ghoul someone who's like a spy working on an ID of someone who's dead doing what sorry using fake paperwork from someone because that person's actually dead but they're pretending to be that person
0: that's super close
1: Someone who kills someone and takes their identity. No. Nope. Someone who kills themselves <laughs> fakely. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> right. I, like I, does I all the mean. paperwork so that they're legally dead, but is actually alive.
0: No, you're getting further away. Okay.
1: Someone who comes back to life. <laughs> Like after being buried in a coffin. <laughs>
0: yeah. Ryan Reynolds in that movie where he gets buried in a coffin. I'll give you a, yes. a hint, which is that you said that a ghoul is a person who takes the identity of a dead, dead person. person. Yeah. But the ghoul is not the person who's out in the field.
1: <gasps> the ghoul is the dead person. No. No. <laughs> A ghoul, I first said, is someone who travels around as a spy using the paperwork of someone who's dead. Yeah. But they're not the spy or the person in the field. Uh I then assumed they were the dead person, but there's someone else who's also a spy but not in the field. Yeah. Like the... Person who finds dead people's documents to use and then gives them to the agent? Yes. Is that the person? Yeah. So
0: a ghoul is somebody who searches obituaries and graveyards oh. for names of dead people that they can then use for spies. That's
1: ghoulish. Yeah, it is. Sick. Nicely done. Thank, I really cobbled that together.
0: <laughs> Thanks for the pocket hint. <laughs> oh, that was actually quite funny. <laughs> oh, I'm actually laughing. Oh, oh no, I'm quite amused. <laughs> And that is the end of round two. All right, do you have your scores?
1: Oh yeah, I do.
0: All right, you want to score me first, and then I'll score you. Yeah, I'll score you. And we'll talk about
1: like a salmon skin. (laughs) Anyway, um, so Bloodline Theory of Class, I gave you 0 out of (laughs) 5 because it was too good an answer. (laughs) No, 5 out of 5. Revolutionary Tourism, I gave you 4 out of 5. Cool. And Struggle Sessions, I gave you 2 out of 5. Yeah, fair. Nice.
0: Okay, for Pocket Litter, I gave you 4 out of Mm 5. For Cobbler, I gave you 5 out of 5. And for Ghoul, I gave you 4 out of 5. Thank you. And so you got... Uh, 13 out of 15.
1: Oh, geez. You got 11 out of 15. All
0: right. Cool. Sick. Cool. Sweet.
1: It's nice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: cobble me, impress.
0: <laughs> mm. <laughs> So my category was inspired by an episode of Because News, which is a CBC podcast where they make games out of the week's headlines. They were talking about the Russian nerve agent. Mm. Uh, and then they played a game very similar to the game we were playing right now where they had to guess the meaning um, of spy terms. Yeah. And I was like, what? How easily applicable?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, wow, I can literally just map this game. <laughs> so CBC, A for effort, but F for plagiarism
0: (laughs) (laughs) i actually love the podcast slash radio show because news and would really recommend yeah i like it as well it's very it's it's quite funny um and so my terms came from an online espionage dictionary which i will link in the show notes and they also reminded me of this book that i'm reading right now called a life in secrets vera atkins and the missing agents of world war ii which Mm. is written by a historian named sarah helm who has written a fantastic account of the women's concentration camp called Ravensbrück that's a great book so I will link both of those in the show notes as well although they're not directly related to my terms
1: my terms are (laughs) about the cultural revolution which is a very interesting topic and I would first give you a caveat that you should not just google the cultural revolution like I usually say because there's a lot of terrible terrible history out there about it because there's a lot of real boogeymanning of our good friend Mao Zedong okay who killed a lot of people with his policies and was probably on balance, not a good person, I guess, if you that's how you kind of tally it up. Mm-hmm. But like, there's a lot of real demonizing in Western history and Western media. Okay. Like stuff that it's like, we read his personal diaries and it turned out he was a pervert. And it's like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. So I would say try to avoid stuff like that. But if you specifically want to learn about Mao Zedong in relation to China and the Cultural Revolution, I would very much recommend this book, Mao Zedong and China in the 20th Century World by Rebecca Carl. All
0: right. A for Effort is hosted and produced by me, Moraid,
1: And me, Harry.
0: <laughs> and, and is edited by me, Moraid,
1: And not me, Harry.
0: <laughs> our music is Chop Shop Instrumental by White Flowers, and our logo is by Eights. You can find the show on iTunes. Please subscribe and leave a review. That would be great.
1: You can also find us on Facebook at A4Effort, or you can email us at A4EffortCast at gmail.com.
0: We read those emails. We, we respond to we those respond emails. To so
1: Please do. Like if you're email. like, hey, that was cool, or you were wrong, or here's another good book, or I read that book and I liked it. Send all those in yes. once in yeah. one email. <laughs> yeah. And make the subject line omnibus email. <laughs> Thank you.
0: (laughs) Make the subject line as vague as possible. Like like R-E comments.
1: (laughs) Re-thoughts.
0: All right. And uh, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you in two weeks. Bye. Bye.
1: Do you want to say that again so it's good?
0: Yeah. Sorry, I'll stop saying it badly. You <laughs> <laughs> wanna say that so it's good? <laughs>